Hello, I'm Stephen Groom. Welcome to Let God Speak. Many would be surprised to know that Bible education includes the arts and sciences. Many believe science is contrary to Christian teachings such as creation, the flood and faith in Jesus. But the Bible reveals that Jesus' amazing power in not only creating, but also sustaining our complex world. Our Bible study today will look at principles involved in education in the arts and sciences from a Christian perspective and worldview. On our panel today, we have Rod Butler Hello. and Rosemary Malkovich. That's Welcome. Good. Let us begin with prayer, shall we? Let us bow. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll help us on this panel communicate this important subject well and our audience to understand what you would like them to know about the arts and sciences. And I pray this in Jesus' worthy name. Amen. 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 For my first question, I'd like to ask Rosemary, and we'd break this question up first into two parts, the arts. Um, what does this term, the arts, imply? Um, I looked it up in Wikipedia, and it actually says for art, you have to go to a certain portal in Wikipedia to get this. It says art is the theory, human application, and physical expression of creativity found in human cultures and societies through skills and imagination. It also goes on further. But the simplest form of saying it is that it's something that we create or make, something that is pleasing to the eye and appreciated for its beauty or emotional power because art can have a, a real impact on people's emotions. But it says they're pleasing to the eye. Well, eye is in the well, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. So with art, it's very subjective. Yeah. Someone might think something is beautiful and other, someone else says, you're kidding. So, but that's the definition for art. It's something that has been made. It's been created yeah. from someone's mind. Next question. Who made this world, Rod? And, and what was it like in the beginning? Was it beautiful? <clears throat> well, there's, the Bible says in many places who made the world. Um, I like Nehemiah 9, chapter 9 and verse 6, where Nehemiah says, Thou, even thou art Lord alone, thou hast made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their host, the earth, and all things that are therein, the seas and all that is therein, and thou preservest them all, and, thou, and the host of heaven worship thee. Thou art the Lord, the God, who didst choose Abraham and brought us him forth out of Ur of the Chaldees and gave him the name of Abraham. This is interesting because most people, when they think of creation, they think of uh, created all the worlds. But God not only created, he preserved. And the act of preservation is as much, takes as much power as of creation. So who made the, the world? Firstly, God did. Yep. And how was it in the beginning? Turn with me to um, Genesis. We're going to look at chapter, chapter 1 and verse 31. Verse 31 said, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. 
Well, that word very in the Hebrew is mahode, and that means exceedingly or to the highest extent. So one can imagine that in the beginning, the world was unimaginably beautiful um, mm. and holy. Yes. And it's hard for us to understand that. It was perfect. Yeah, it was perfect. And, and what I like is, is also that creation includes mankind. So that yeah. beautiful picture includes us, doesn't it? We are part of that, yes, yes, that artwork. And so what does this creation reveal about the God who made it? Okay, let, let's look at Psalm 19, verses 1 to 3. And this is what creation says about God. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where the voice is not heard. The creation shows the love of beauty that God has and the perfection that he has. Everything was made perfect. Not one thing was left out that was needed. And when we talk about the heavens, there's at least three heavens. There's the atmosphere of our earth. There's the universe and, and galaxies and all, but then there's the heaven where God lives, yes. which Paul calls the third heaven. When we look through the Hubble telescope, we see those incredible, beautiful pictures of the universe. And we can't help but marvel and say, you know, this is just glorious. It just looks so beautiful. Yes. And it didn't happen by chance. It was created. Everything was put in place where it was meant to be. In fact, it says in the Bible that God has a name for every single star that he has created. So every star we see in the sky, the multitude, each one has its own name. So, so artwork reveals a, an artist behind it, doesn't it? Oh, it does, especially when you look in the heavens. But can we still um, say that about our world today? Because the Bible says that our world went through... Um, a change for the worse. Is that right, Rod? I certainly did. Um, just look around today. It's not perfect today. Um, you know, we think back, the world was created unimaginably beautiful. It was created perfect. And then what happened? Well, part of you know, humanity, which is part of that creation, they were given a free choice and they chose to disobey God's requirements. And hence, sin entered the world. And with sin coming to the world, it introduced decay, death, um, nature was changed, the thorns and thistles came into play. So the whole of creation became marred and started to yeah, decay. And with time, humanity became more and more wicked. They chose more and more to do their own thing and go their own way. And um, I like it, in, well, I don't like it, but it says in Genesis 6 verse 5 that it got to a point where the imagination um, of the heart of man was continually evil. And so God was, um, had a, well, God decided that he would end creation, but he preserved Noah and his family and, and, and um, a pairs of kind, the created animals. And when we think of the global flood that occurred, it wasn't just rain that came down. The Bible says in Genesis 6 verse 11 that the fountains of the great deep opened up. Yes. So... The flood was a, was a major um, ge geological uh, event. Upheaval. Upheaval that, that scarred the world. And um, today we have not a perfect creation. We have salty oceans. We have 
jagged mountains, we have deserts, we have extremes of hot and cold, um, so many things which are harsh and uh, create death. And so, you know, the world is actually on a downward spiral. Yeah. And um, if I can just read, there's a great text in Isaiah, Isaiah 51 and verse 6. And Isaiah 51 and verse 6 says, Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look upon the earth beneath. For the heavens shall vanish away like smoke, and the earth shall wax old like a garment, and they that dwell therein shall die in like manner. Now, so much like this, this garment here, though it, it once was quite new, um, it, you can see it's a sad reflection on what it used to be. Same with the world. Is that right? Well, the world is decaying, mm. and we only have to look around us. Uh, we look on the news, we see current events, we can see the world is in trouble. Yeah. And, and so what I get from that is man's sin at the beginning affected his environment for the worse. So our environment has a very important uh, connection with human beings. Is that right? Yes. So if the, if the world is a, a sad reflection on how it used to be, does the world still have any beauty that, from its origin? Well, Rosemary? The earth has been marred by sin for 6,000 years. Mm. And when we look at the thorns that Rod spoke about and the thistles, mm. they have flowers on them. Mm. When we look at the jagged mountains, we can see beauty in them. So God has preserved beauty. Um, one of the things we've got to remember that when God created, he used art and science together. And through the way that he made, we can see beauty in the ashes. We can see wonderful things. There's a, a verse there in Genesis 3:17 where let me read that. Genesis 3 verse 17. And God says to Adam, And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. It hadn't been like that in the Garden of Eden. Everything was easy. But now the ground was cursed for their sakes. God made things hard because he knew it was good for us. Mm -hmm. God doesn't do anything that is bad for us. He doesn't take away anything that is good for us, only things that will hurt us, harm us mm -hmm. and hurt us. And so he made this difficult because it was going to be a good teaching um, tool yes. to help us to see him, to realise when we work with creation, God actually created it. So he wants us to know that we're not living in a perfect world, that something has gone wrong, doesn't he? Mm. And, and so continuing on the same theme, um, it's not only the world that is wearing out like a garment. Um, Paul states that each one of us is perishing in 2 Corinthians 4.16. However, is there anything the Bible says that we can do um, as a human that is beautiful in God's sight? Because each day the Bible says we're getting old, we're dying. Uh, Rod? Well, there is. Um, God sees beauty in ways that we don't see. If we turn to Psalm 96, and I want to look at verse, verse 9, Psalm 96 and verse 9, it says, O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness, fear before him all the earth. Now, when you look at that particular text, um, O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness, we're asked to worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The beauty of holiness is actually us, our characters, 
We're not talking about, you know, having the, the best physical appearance. Yeah. It's our characters. And if we look at texts like 1 Peter 1.16, if you turn to that, 1 Peter 1.16, it says, Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. God wants his creation to be holy, and he wants worship from his holy creation. Mm. Now, how do we be holy? We can't, that's impossible for us by ourselves to be holy. God also promises us the Holy Spirit to dwell in us. So he gives us help. He gives us help. He gives us the Holy Spirit. And with the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, we can choose to do the right thing. And the Holy Spirit gives that power, lives its life in us to be holy. If you um, think of 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18, it talks about by beholding we are changed. Mm. We are to look at the life of Christ and we are to study the Gospels and how he lived and what he did. And we see the beautiful character of Christ, that his whole life was service for others. Um, nothing in, nothing was um, in Christ's life was for himself. It was always for others. That was his character. And we, we study that character. And our life is to be service for others. Too. We bring that character to the worship of the Lord. And the Lord likes that. He loves that. And so to, in God's eyes, that is beautiful to him, yes. even though we're ugly on the outside and we're dying. Mm. That's, that's good it's to know. The, it's beauty on the inside that is important to God. doesn't matter what you look like outside. And, and first uh, Samuel uh, sixteen seven says that says that man looks out on the outward appearance how he judges mm. people, but mm. God looks at the heart. Yeah. He judges yeah. us that way. So from that point of view, um, having a godly character is what we should concentrate on in in this life. Is that right? Mm. And let's look at the enemy of God, Satan. Satan doesn't want us to have a godly character. Is there any clues in the Bible um, that tells us how? Satan tries to stop us from having that uh, change of character into a godly character, Rosemary. Well, let's look at Genesis 3, verse 6. That's a, a good place to start because this is at the time when Eve fell, when Eve took of the fruit. And let's just explain that for a minute. Verse 6 says, And when the man's, woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes... And a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. The trouble was, this tree was not good for food. God had told them in Genesis 2, verse 17, well, in verse 16, he said, You may freely eat of all the trees in the garden, wonderful, beautiful fruit, beautiful trees, just incredible to behold. Then he says in verse 17, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So there's one of those beautiful trees with beautiful fruit that God said, do not eat of it. God basically said, that tree is mine. You leave it alone. It's a test. And it was for their own good. It was it? a test to see if they would be obedient. And... That's what God was doing. He wasn't being nasty and, you know, and, and difficult. He was just saying, look at all those wonderful trees you've got. Just leave that one alone. It belongs to me. Mm. And he said, if you eat that fruit, you are going to learn what it is to be wrong, to do evil. You now know only good. But if you do that, you will do the wrong thing. And now evil will come into your heart. And, and that's not good. 
So the devil was at the tree as a serpent, deceiving Eve. And that's what he does with us. He's always trying to do something that we don't realize that he is entrapping us. And it's only through the word of God that we can understand what he's up to. You know, where he, he said to Eve, um, the fruit is, is going to be something that will make you wise. It'll make you like a God. And that wasn't true, was it? No, it wasn't true. It was going to let them know what evil was. Yes. And that is not a good thing to know. And it leads to death. And God had warned them. Um, it's the same. It's, it's total deception. It's, yes. it's taking what God says and twisting it around. Yes. And, and speaking of, of his deceptions, let's continue on that point. Um, the Bible presumes the existence of God. If we go to the very beginning, it says in the beginning, God it doesn't try to explain he, he exists. Um, Christian education uh, accepts the existence of God. But on the other hand, we have worldly education denies his existence. And they try to explain things through naturalistic um, evolution and other such theories. And many have that idea because God doesn't openly reveal himself to each person or to many. Um, for this reason, is the atheist viewpoint a fair stance to take, Rod? No, because you just said he doesn't openly reveal himself. The Bible says that he does. Turn with me to Romans uh, chapter 1. And I want to read from verse 18 down to verse uh, 20, 21. Romans 1, 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. So what this is saying is that um, they, everyone is aware that God is, is around. And how? How? Verse 20 says how? For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Hmm. When you look at nature, you can be the most atheistic person. When you look at the symmetry, the order, the, the rule and regulation of nature, um, the, the complexity, harmony, the complexity hmm. um, you say to yourself, how could this have happened? Yes. A friend of mine was doing a PhD in chemistry, an atheist, and he told me that in one particular reaction, for the reaction to occur, there had to be the right velocity, the right angle of um, attack, um, the right temperature, the right everything, just for it to happen. And the odds for it happening were just incalculable, and yet it's happening in our body every single moment. Yes. And he's going, how is this possible? So the more we study the things of nature, the natural world, the more it screams that God, there's a creator, there's intelligent design. Yes. And so these folk who say, oh, you know, origins began without God. No, 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 no. They're without excuse. And the Bible says so. That's a powerful statement, isn't it? That they are without excuse. Yeah. Yes, um, yes. That the and, and the fact that, the, you know, we've got around about 100,000 um, chemical reactions happening in every cell of our body, yep. every moment, every yeah. second. And each one's a miracle. Um, continuing on with the beauty of nature, which is still there to some extent, um, some people actually worship nature. Is this an acceptable belief, um, Rosemary? No, because God says in the Ten Commandments that we were not to make any idols and we were not to worship them, that he alone is God. Um, so that's a, a very important point. When, whenever in history 
people would start worshipping creatures or parts of the creation, they would always become downgraded themselves. As John said one time when we were living in a foreign country, you do not rise above what you worship. Mm. So if you worship an animal, you will not rise above it. Yeah. But when you worship the God of heaven, he pulls you to his level. You attain to a greater intellect and a greater understanding and wisdom and knowledge of a- what is happening in the world. And that's the goal of arts and science in its truest mm. sense, isn't it? Yeah. To make one wiser than he was mm. before. That's right. So generally finishing this off, is God tolerant of in- individuals uh, believing in other gods at all besides him? <laughs> no. Um, God, uh, God reveals himself in nature, as we just said, and therefore he... He wants all his creator, all his creation, to recognise him as creator and to acknowledge that. Let's just look at the uh, the Ten Commandments. Let's look at the first commandment. I'm looking at the Exodus chapter 20 and verse three. It says, "Thou shalt have no other gods before me." Okay. Now there are many gods in this world. Anything which takes our our eyes off the Lord and we put more time into it than God is a god to us, and He wants a total focus and attention on him as God. And why? It says in verse 5, in the second commandment, says, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, talking about idols in verse 4, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. Now that jealous God isn't jealous in the negative sense of the word jealousy. It's jealous because he wants, his, we are his creation. He wants his creation to recognise him as God. And he loves his creation. So God wants us everyone to worship him and we're without excuse that's he's, amazing he's it? always also jealous over us in other words yep. jealous to look after us he wants us to be so, happy so from an understanding of this jealousy the gospel commission is really a call to to come into what what god actually wants from people that is and, and recognition of yeah him. and particularly in the last days with the three yeah. angels messages we have the message of the first angel fear god and give glory to him who worship who made the heavens and the earth um, in the last days, in our day, there's going to be a special focus on and recognising God as a creator, and we can see that around us. Yeah. Is there any evidence in Scripture at the end of time that people will continue, be, continue to be doubtful of the existence of God? Very much and so. And deny him worship, Rosemary? Let's look at Second Peter 3, verse 5. That, that to me is just a, a wonderful verse that really tells us so much about what the Bible's saying. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 5 says, For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. Um, and then talks about the flood. Uh, but they are willingly ignorant that God has created. They choose to not know. That's what being willingly ignorant is. They don't want to know. Yeah, and, that and, God exists and that God created everything. And that phrase can be translated dumb on purpose. They choose yes. not to accept the true science. That's right. Mm. That's right. And yet the Bible is full of it, you know, the truth telling us that he is the creator. It's over and over in the word of God. And we can see these deceptions um, of Satan everywhere, can't we? Mm. So it is said that for every truth of God, Satan has a counterfeit. Therefore, um, is there a false science that opposes true science, Rod? Yeah, there definitely is, yes. Um, Can you give us an example? A, a biblical example. From, 
um, looking at 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 20, it says, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so called. Uh, why? Because it, which some professing have erred. When we go down the road of um, ignoring God and putting um, origins on things which ignore God, we'll make errors. And um, that's exactly what does happen. Now, just to give an example of a really big error, uh, for nearly 18, 1900 years, the world thought, it believed in the geocentric model. That is that there's the earth in the middle of the universe and everything goes around it. And all the, all the scientists believe that. All the, all the brains, all the, all the uh, smartest people, they bought into that idea and they tried to produce all sorts of math to sort of reinforce that view. And then it wasn't until 1543, a devoted Christian guy by the name of Nicholas Copernicus, he uh, put forward a different paradigm, which was the heliocentric model where the sun is in the middle and the planets go around the, uh, the sun. Which we all know to be and, true. And then, and then not long after that, another devoted Christian, a guy called Johannes Kepler, 65 years later, he produced all the mathematics to, to reinforce and to define the planetary motion. Now, how'd they do that? Because they refused to acknowledge that there could have just been a random origin. They knew they, they were Christians. They believed that God was a God of order, of structure, mm. of, um, of maths. They could see the symmetry in nature. And that would apply also to the, uh, the heavens and the, um, the astronomical world. And that drove them to say there must be a logical answer here because God is the creator. He wouldn't do things. There's got to be a reason. And that's what, that's what changed that false science of the geocentric model. Yeah. And in fact, Galileo once was quoted as saying that he, he said that God was a pure mathematician. He just marveled in seeing the mathematics of how our universe works. God created mathematics. Yeah. Yeah. So, Rosemary, is there any other notable false sciences uh, around today? Yes. We'll just touch on the main ones. Evolution. Evolution. Is the, oh, is the most important one where... Um, they have written so much and it's taught in the schools and our young people believe it, but it's not biblical. And, and in fact, with genetics and DNA and things, there is more proof for it to be false, to be a lie, than there is anything to show that it's true. Yeah. And, and so also we see part of the um, work of science is to teach us to be wise rather than foolish, um, Rod. Is there anywhere in the Bible that teaches such wisdom? Yep. I would direct everyone to go to Proverbs chapter 1. In Proverbs chapter 1, those Proverbs teach us how to be wise. We should take note of all those Proverbs. Well, thank you for being on our panel today. That's all we have time for. To those who uphold false science, the Bible asks the question, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Job 38.4. They deny the supernatural force associated with the Genesis record of the creation in the past and the cataclysmic end of the world in the future. True education in the arts and sciences will give us an appreciation of God's handiwork in nature, in his animal and plant kingdom, and also in observing how mankind is fearfully and wonderfully made. It will help us to draw closer to God so that he is able to recreate us in the beauty of holiness. May we all keep searching for God in the true arts and sciences. We are glad you tuned in to Let God Speak today. You can watch this or any other past program on our website, 
3abnaustralia.org.au. Teachers notes can be downloaded there. You can also send us an email at our email address. Thank you for watching. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.